Hey, it's Mark. I'd like to start off by sharing a story. A few weeks ago, I was collecting audio at an industry event, and I had a Zoom H4 recorder in my hands. It's a glorified digital voice recorder, but it's black and bulky, and I guess has kind of an industrial appearance. A fellow sat down next to me, took a look at the device with its multiple microphones and blinking LED lights, and said, hey, that's a cool device. He introduced himself, and it turns out he's a biomedical engineer turned entrepreneur who founded a small health tech company and digital medicine company to build a device of its own. The fellow pulls a white handheld device out of his backpack. The first thing I notice, other than its size and resemblance to a smartphone, is the mouthpiece and large circular fingerprint scanner on the front. As it turns out, what I'm looking at is a non-invasive scanner, which in about a minute measures multiple vital signs from temperature and pulse rate to lung function and oxygen saturation and uploads the data to a cloud-based platform that can help the user understand their health in a way that's actionable. Perhaps the most interesting thing about it is that it collects all these parameters from the mouth. It sounds so simple, and I had my doubts. Well, I hadn't heard of these guys, nor had some of the digital health experts I subsequently reached out to. But the more I researched about this company, the device, and the science behind it, that cautious intrigue turned to genuine fascination. A few short weeks later, I've got the hand unit and mouthpiece in my house to test out myself. And, well, I'll share a review and interview with the co-founders of a company on a quest to invent the medical tricorder of the future. I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. I'll speak with Safia Alumali and Dr. Gene Friedman, co-founders of the company ADAR Health, about their device, which is aptly named MouthLab. Safia and Gene, welcome to the MMM Podcast. Thank you so much, Mark, for having us here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, It's a pleasure. When we met at the Galleon Forum, Safia, did you think that the device I was holding was a medical device? Yeah, I was actually thinking because uh, I always get fascinated with new technology. And uh, when I saw what you were holding, I thought you were another biomedical engineer or an entrepreneur was holding another interesting device, probably even more uh, like a competitor, I thought, for a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, as, as I mentioned, it's kind of a glorified uh, tape recorder, but it does look impressive and has that industrial feel. And I kind of joked around, I offered to trade devices with you, but I was intrigued. And long story short, you were kind enough to send me the hand unit along with the mouthpiece uh, of yours and a uh, charging base and adapter, and then guide me through how to use it over Zoom. Basically, on the bottom, you just have to push the button. That's the turn on and off for the... And unit. So when I said I tested okay. out the device, I wasn't kidding. The first couple of times I tried, it didn't go so well. I'm just kind of keeping a very light touch on the thumb. Yeah, I, maybe I maybe just uh, like push like, a little harder. Push it. Yeah, push a little harder. Okay. Yeah, let's. All right. Also, maybe my lips are not around the sensors too. That could have been. Oh, okay. The sensors on the bottom of the mouth. Yeah, on right? the bottom. Yes. Yeah. Oh. But my teeth should be on the inner ring, right? My yeah, teeth should yeah. rest on the inner yeah. ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the unique features is that you have to hold the unit in your left hand with your thumb positioned over the sensor. Readings aren't as accurate on the right side. The mouthpiece is inserted like a scuba mouthpiece. Mm. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah, just hold on to it. Keep breathing normally. One can't help breathing a little more intentionally when using something like this, but Sathya says the device is meant to do its thing when breathing normally. I can imagine any other consumer having a little difficulty here as well. 
But finally, on the third or fourth try, we got it working. ADAR claims that mouth lab will record temperature, respiration rate, pulse rate, blood pressure, respiration pattern, heart rate, heart rate variability, ECG, spirometry, which is lung function, and oxygen saturation. That data is collected from sensors across the device from saliva, breathing, hand pulse, and lips to read the body's parameters. It took about 15 minutes to learn, and I'm not an expert, but it seems to do as purported. And uh, for now, it's, it's prescription only. It's not available DTC yet. ADAR has done a couple of raises, too. You've got a, you did a $3.5 million round, followed by a recent $4 million raise. And while that doesn't seem like a lot compared to what some of uh, your digital health peers are getting, ADAR is fairly advanced in this device and platform. Uh, you've got no marketing team yet, just the two of you and, and six biomedical engineers on staff, and you're growing organically, monitoring data and collecting regulatory clearances. Uh, so I wanted to you know, ask you more about this. Um, as is the case with many health tech entrepreneurs, you both have a personal motivation driving you to do what you're doing. Talk, talk about that. What, what is your personal motivation and what, what's your shared vision for this? Maybe I'll start with... Uh What's my personal motivation? I'm a caregiver to my mother. Uh, she had multiple chronic conditions today. She was diagnosed with uh, diabetes almost 15 years ago and then hypertension maybe 10 years ago. But we didn't know. I mean, being in healthcare for over 20 years, I didn't even realize that these two are the usual suspect in the case of chronic kidney disease. Um, eight years ago, she was diagnosed with uh, stage four chronic kidney disease. And today she's at stage five, literally getting into the stage of end-stage renal disease. So at that point, I, I feel devastated as a, as a son, uh, as a fellow uh, like caregiver. So I just felt it was challenging for me to understand. And today she's on a fluid-restricted diet and salt-restricted diet. It's brutal to be uh, a son to only give her 800 ml of water every day, which is what got me thinking, how can I change uh, her care? How can I improve the value of her healthcare, especially at home? So that's when my quest was to find something that is more like a communication tool, something that records what's happening with my mom's health and relays it back to me and also to her physician. Uh, in real time. The closest thing that I was able to find was uh, a stethoscope, which is actually physically connected to a person. Uh, but I was thinking, what if we could build something that can remotely collect all these information? It's simple to use as a, as a gadget, like a toothbrush, because that's something that was my mom was using every day without like anyone telling her how to use it or uh, why to use it, but it became a routine. So my thought process was, can we build something that can mimic that, something that can we can use to the, the concept called like habit uh, stacking, right? Can we stack the brushing habit with uh, something that can be followed after brushing so that it measures somebody's overall health at a really short time? Uh, that was a thought process, and uh, that's when I actually met uh, Dr. Gene Friedman, uh, who's also a professor at Johns Hopkins, and he came with this cool gadget. It looked uh, similar to the recorder that you had, but uh, a <laughs> little bit more clunky. And then, uh, so 
uh, he was he was fascinated about what he built and and he was looking for like how we can <laughs> actually take it forward so um, for me that immediately sparked interest and and I felt like okay here's a great opportunity for us to really collect hundreds and thousands of health parameters rapidly from an individual uh, all within a minute and we realized mouth is a great place to collect that so what started as a personal mission now translated into a global mission to really help people like my mom and also caregivers like me to have a peaceful life Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, Gene, you, you, as uh, Sathya mentioned, you were both at Hopkins and uh, you, that gave, gave you sort of a lot of resources to, to kind of develop this. But talk about, from your perspective, uh, you know, what uh, drove you toward this device? So, <laughs> so I, I can deeply sympathize and empathize with Sathya's very human uh, and humanitarian viewpoint uh, on this device. Uh, mine uh, is not quite as deep. So my interest in this device was, uh, was this. I, I, so I'm a professor at Johns Hopkins University. I'm a PhD. I'm not an MD. Uh, and uh, my background is in biomedical instrumentation. And so the issue I was experiencing is, you know, I have a family and kids and, uh, you know, whenever they would get sick, I would get, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to scratch my head thinking, do I take them to the doctor? Do I not take them to the doctor? And I'd end up calling one of my colleagues, MDs, asking them, what do you do now? And so that was a bit of a frustration. So at some point I, I, I thought, you know, it would be really good to have just a really simple device that would just tell you, okay, take, take this person to the doctor. Like this is it, right? So, so like a little doctor in a, in a, in a handheld device. Uh, and so, and so that was kind of the genesis of it. And, and so then I started looking for, um, you know, where do you get enough information about health, uh, you know, from, you know, essentially from one place on the body. I wanted something that would be very simple to use, uh, you know, not require any training and, and, and then uh, would collect as much information as possible and s- would sort of just simply give you a feedback of, you know, um, yes, this is a problem or no, this is not a problem and somewhere in between. Like that's really what I was looking for. Um, so it was almost entirely mm-hmm. tech. Right. It's coming up from the tech angle. I like that mm-hmm. the doctor and a handheld device. Um, so let's t- talk about the science behind it. St- staying with you, Gene, for a moment here. Why did you decide to focus on the mouth? So I started kind of researching and thinking about how do I create a device that collects uh, as much information as possible from, uh, you know, over a very, very short period of time. Um, and it occurred to me the mouth has saliva and it has breath. And I started researching the kinds of biomarkers that are in saliva and in breath. And it turned out saliva has essentially all of the same biomarkers that are in the blood. Um, breath has a lot of the biomarkers that, uh, you know, you would think would be relevant to breathing, but also metabolic uh, uh, kind of uh, markers and so on. So it kind of occurred to me that, you know, going to the mouth was a, was a, a really good place to collect all this information. And then uh, I started thinking, well, all right, so then uh, if we're going to go to the mouth, let's uh, get the most basic uh, fundamental things that people get first, right, before we start 
looking into into things like cancer before we start looking into things like you know metabolic uh, uh, rates and diabetes and all of that let's just collect the most basic fundamental uh, vital signs first and so that was kind of the genesis of it and that's you know, yeah, yeah, it's 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 basically a tricorder. That's essentially what I was trying to build. Uh, I wasn't looking at it like a tricorder, you know, but but that that is basically what what the, the idea was. What you were what you were off, what you were trying to do, and um, you know, Sathya put it: breath and saliva is a non-depletable resource, um, and right. uh, and you and you resp- you're you're measuring something that that you I think the term is respiratory flow morphology, uh, which can yeah. detect subtle changes in patterns. In conditions like uh, pulmonary edema, which Sathya, you were saying, which is very helpful when you're when you're monitoring as a as a caregiver for your for your mom, and then Gene, so you developed the first prototype back in '09 for this, right? To take us through that a bit. Basically, I just started. Um, I was just hired as a as an assistant professor at, at Hopkins, and um, I you know I, I barely had a lab, and I had um, I had funding to work on on a on a different. Uh, set of things in the lab. And so uh, effectively, I wanted to do this kind of in parallel. And so that's what I did. And I made this in literally in my basement. Um, and uh, so it, it was kind of, this is, I don't, of course, you can't see this on the radio, but I don't know if you can explain <laughs> what this looks like. <laughs> what Gene is holding up is an early prototype, circa 2009, of what would later become Mouth Lab. This one had far fewer sensors than the seven or eight found in the unit that I used. And if I had to describe it, I'd say this original handheld resembles one of those old electronic calculators from the early 80s, if you remove the plastic housing. By 2011, Gene had created a working device, and by 2014, one with all the parameters of the modern unit. The period from 2016, when Sathya came on board, until 2021, was spent making the device functional. Pretty basic. That's right. So, and and actually, you know, you, you used your device. It transmitted, uh, you know, through LTE. This one um, actually would use uh, would use a telephone. Okay, for those who are too young, the telephones used to be connected through a a, a cord, and so this uh, this this actually has a cord that would connect. To the computer, uh, so wow. dial up, <laughs> right? USB, right? So dial up. That's right. So, um, so basically, what happened was I made that I made this uh, device, and I made it do sort of the basic things you would imagine, which is uh, which, like I was saying, collect the electrocardiogram, collect the blood oxygen saturation, do so. Um, breathing, it would, you know, so I would put all kinds up, put all of these sensors in there. And I, uh, you know, it, it took me a while to make it work because, again, I was doing this, uh, you know, during off time. So, but, you know, in about uh, half a year, a year or so, uh, I, I had this. And and then uh, the thing is, you know, I'm a scientist. So, uh, you know, I got to get some data. So, uh, so the story is, I, I, I went to a friend's uh, party, and uh, and I took this device, and uh, I asked him if I could just shuttle people in one at a time. <laughs> and I had my my equivalent gold <laughs> standards, and I, I basically did this this party, and I collected enough data. So I didn't have, of course, uh, you know, an IRB, you know, an approval or any any of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I got the data, 
for this. And, uh, and, and, and then, uh, and then that was kind of that, that data set was the genesis of getting funding for subsequent work that I could then bring into my lab and do that there. And so that was kind of the, the start. And then I, I you know, I, ironically, because this, this whole, uh, thing with, um, the tricorder comes up, you know, periodically. So at that time, uh, funny enough, I, I, you know, people ask me, you know, why, why didn't you apply for this tricorder um, X, X, prize. X prize? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed, the company Qualcomm held a multi-year, multi-million dollar competition called X Prize to spur the development of tricorder technology. And it spurred some other attempts at making a portable handheld total health scanner. These came from devices with names like Scanadu Scout and Dexter. While MathLab isn't the first attempt at building a so-called medical tricorder, the device that the characters employed on the sci-fi TV show Star Trek to take full-body health scans, it just may be the only one ready for prime time. Maybe it was fate that Gene never entered that competition. They wanted $5,000 application fee, and I was like, well, I, I don't have that. So. They wanted a pretty hefty entry fee there. It was a lot of money. It was $10 million. Wow. Right. The prize money was about $10 million. Prize money. And then the company that, uh, you know, came out of that, I think Scanadu Scout, became famous for having one of the biggest crowdfunded campaigns in in history. And it was a health scanning device and it measured multiple parameters. I'm not sure how you would compare it to your device, uh, but I I haven't heard anything about Scanadu Health since then. Yeah, I think uh, from Scanadu's perspective, they, they had the sensor that they actually measure temperature from the temple on your head. And then they also collected from some from the hand. Uh, it was still restricted, but because it collected at that time, like maybe 2013, 14, collecting three things or four things was a huge deal. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think the company is um, like functional anymore, but from our perspective, I think one of the one of the things that we wanted to do compared to what they did was they directly went in as a consumer product. I don't know if there were a lot of validations that were performed, but for us, the objective was when I started on it and, and I say, okay, Gene, I'm going to jump on this and I'm going to start working with you full time. I'm giving up all this big pay, but the only reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to do something for my mom. So this device should be used by her. So since she was the first user of the device, I wanted to have that level of standard. So I don't want to put anything in her hand and I don't want to feel like, oh, it's just another non-validated device. So don't worry about it. But instead, I wanted if this device says, yes, something is wrong, then she should go to the hospital right away. That was a thought process and we wanted to validate it, which is why... We went through the rigorous FDA uh, testing and we got our FDA clearance. We got our CE mark approval for Europe. Uh, we received our ISO certification and we also got uh, MD SAP or medical device uh, single audit program certification. So these are all something that a lot of companies are missing today with the objective of just launching. They just launch. But what we really wanted to do was can you give this device to your mom and trust the data? That's the principle everybody in the company has. So, which is why it took us a long time, but 
we are thankful that we are here. And as you mentioned earlier, we are further away from many of our competitors in this space. Yeah, right. So uh, basically, by 2016, I think, uh, Sathya, you told me uh, Gene had a device that, that was able to measure all the parameters. And over the subsequent five years, uh, you've been developing it to get it functional. And you're taking kind of a, um, a, a standard medical device uh, tack to kind of uh, hone the technology to, to validate it. And as you mentioned, you've got all those different certifications. You've got the FDA 510K clearance, which is important in this country, which means you can continue to test it in you know real life patients. You know as as you continue to to validate to validate. Can you kind of bring us up to speed, Sathya, on the on the number of users and the current studies that that you have out in the field? So right now we are performing a study. Uh, this is funded or grant that we received a federal contract from BARDA or the Biomedical Advanced Research Institute. Um, and we are working with the VA, uh, Veterans Administration, uh, which is the biggest health system in the world, technically. So we working with them and uh, we are uh, recruiting um, at least 400 patients for this study which is initially it started off more focused on looking into long COVID, but we are looking into how the impact of long COVID has on conditions like heart failure, COPD, chronic kidney disease, asthma, hypertension, and diabetes. So we are right now, uh, those are the patient populations that we are targeting. And uh, our objective is to see how the COVID pandemic actually shifted a lot of people's health because we, we are all looking into the next pandemic and how we can prevent or protect us from that. But what we're really looking into is what is the long-term impact of the pandemic that we just crossed, right? So there's a lot of people still have this lingering symptoms and challenges even after six, 12 months of getting COVID infected. So, and then COVID is not gone anywhere. We still see a lot of cases uh, in different parts of the country and the world. So this study would give us a much better information about what's the long-term impacts uh, prospectively we are looking at it. And through this process, we are also looking at all our target patient population, which I mentioned earlier. So in that way, we are not just looking at long COVID, but also looking at all these other conditions and more importantly, we're looking at the polychronic conditions, like basically people with two or more chronic conditions. So essentially, it's a one study which adds a lot of value into a lot of things that we are trying to achieve and, and learn how this device can be helpful. In addition to that, we are um, working with a, a pharma company focused on using our device as a digital companion tool for their patient population. This is uh, one of the expensive um, treatments or uh, injections that's provided to patients on a monthly basis. So what we are doing is how we can use our device and the platform. We have a patient-facing mobile application and also a physician-facing web application. So we are using all those things to actually help guide treatment and inform the patients if there is an adverse event and how to better manage such adverse events or report to them at a very early stage. So that's why the device comes in very integral. 
Uh, we're starting with this. We're hoping to at least uh, by mid next year, we wanted to have at least thousand people use the device um, and uh, hopefully millions in the next few years. Sure. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of things there that I want to follow up on. That one is the just as important as the product is, is the platform. Uh, and so you're testing that out with within the pharma case study that, that you mentioned. Um, and that's um, specifically monitoring side effects uh, for a biologic drug. Um, and the nice thing about uh, the holistic way that mouth lab is designed to provide a picture of one's health is that you can use that platform you know, that, that app and the, and the data visualizations to see subtle changes, you know, in the, in the patient from, from baseline. So, you know, the device is measuring heart rhythm and then you can, you can check for heart variability, you know, and you can check for differences in the ECG from one measurement to the next. And I'm sure there's some sophisticated algorithms, you know, behind all this, uh, that you can say, okay, this is a warning sign. This is a warning flag. For something, but talk about the platform a little bit and, and the and the approach. I think you said you you want to kind of make that a marketplace for healthcare. So talk about that a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think the objective of of our device is not just to measure and then show a bunch of numbers, but our objective is can we use those numbers and translate them into more meaningful information for every stakeholder involved, be it the patient, they need to know what action that they need to take based on the data that is collected from the device. We need to provide information to the physician who should get these information on a timely manner so that uh, he or she can take appropriate action or change of intervention or titrate a particular drug. So this device should be integral for that. And also from a payer perspective to better understand uh, what are the value that we are they are providing to their patients and which patient is actually needs better care. So in terms of prioritizing care and, and dollars to the patient population, we needed a, a device like this. So great, we built this device. Now we are, we also, although we are known for a device all these seven, eight years, we are also building uh, a platform which has been uh, completely different from everything that is out there. So our platform, we wanted to create this as more as a marketplace. Imagine like somebody uses our device and we, we see here are the challenges that they are going through. So our platform automatically provides them some form of a recommendation. Okay, you are going through this. Here are some four things that you can do today to help you out. So let's say somebody is going through breathlessness or they're finding it difficult to do activity. So can you connect? Uh, can we connect them to uh, somebody who can help? train them how to uh, breathe or, for example, a breath work. Can we connect them to a nutritionist so that they can get better kind of food recommendation or, or um, in terms of uh, also in what kind of medication that they need to take? So connecting to the physician so that they can get medication information and also connecting to care navigators uh, and um, social workers to see what kind of information they can get. We also wanted to use this platform to direct patients to the right avenues. So today, you name it Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, everybody, uh, all the retail clinics are in providing clinical trials or primary care in their, in their sites. So what if we could use our technology and platform to push patients or like send them 
to a, a, a local Walgreens or CVS. Ultimately, the platform would enable multiple healthcare and non-healthcare stakeholders to be a part of it so that we can provide that whole person care. A lot of people talk about it, but we wanted to actually ensure that we have that platform which can offer that full, complete care, um, which is not preventing anyone from getting the right care, but actually offering people a diverse opportunity to pick the kind of care that they really want. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about proving the value, you know, in today's uh, healthcare system and market, you, you hear about a lot of pharma companies that are now engaging with payers around value-based agreements. Um, and uh, as part of those agreements, uh, there's there's a kind of a money-back guarantee, you know, uh, and, and it's linked to data showing uh, hopefully a reduction, say, in hospitalizations or ER visits. And the manufacturer will say, well, if we can, you know, hold up our end of the bargain, um, then you'll pay us. But if not, you know, there's there's some kind of a pay for, for performance kind of aspect built into it. With this, you know, you know, ADAR, it seems to be that you're kind of taking your time organically, as we said, you're measuring um, data uh, and you're um, coming up with this, you know, gradual approach to show how the, the, these patterns have value in them, as you said, Satya, for helping uh, patients take the right action, uh, which can eventually have uh, uh, benefits down, down the road. I'm probably not ex- explaining that as well as you, but, you know, h- how are you going to prove the value of this in order to eventually get, you know, reimbursement? Is, is that a goal you know, for, for ADAR? Yeah, absolutely. So what we really wanted to focus on is right now our device and technology can be used and we can receive reimbursement or the providers can receive reimbursement through the remote physiological monitoring program, CPT codes and the chronic care management uh, CPT codes as well. And the next step is for us to actually validate that, hey, here are a list of patients who we monitored. Here is a validation from the FDA for our analytics system or our prediction system. And we can use that data to then go to payers to really showcase here's a value for your patients. Here's a value that we are offering through our device technology and services. So ultimately, we want like Medicare Advantage uh, plans to actually um, reimburse us. We also brought about another uh, interesting aspect about value-based contracts, right? So especially in pharma, uh, value-based contracts works really well in Europe uh, because it's a single-payer system. But in the U.S., it's been a constant challenge for many, many years. So what we are trying to do in that space is to offer our device and platform both from the early phases of clinical trials um, from stage one all the way to uh, post-market, we can actually use a same platform. Our platform and device is compatible to be a part of all those things. So when somebody is assessing for the outcomes or the value of a particular therapy or drug or medication, they can actually see what was the values before, during a clinical trials, and we can actually see if that is replicated in a post-market study. So in that way, it's a great validation tool for both pharma to say, hey, here is the data to show that our drug or therapy is better. Uh, and same way payers, 
they can use this data to ensure that they can reimburse or provide value-based offerings to pharma. So um, that's where we feel like we are more like an integrator of all these different opportunities that happening within the healthcare ecosystem. Sure. And, you know, if, if I'm a pharma brand manager, say, and I'm, I'm considering using something like that, um, kind of a wraparound uh, tool um, that can be used remotely to measure uh, patient vital signs uh, for, for my drug or, or whatever, I might be thinking that, you know, there's, uh, there's other devices out there. There's Apple Watches, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, measure pulse oximetry. There, there's other one-off devices uh, that, that measure things like lung function, you know, spirometry, that, that type of thing. Talk about how the mouth lab differs and you know why they should go with you guys frankly yeah no i think uh, it's it's a question that i always get asked every day <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll be very happy uh one day we can showcase that but the main thing is um all these variable devices collect a couple of uh parameters which are today collected by hundreds of such variables and we are getting only consistent similar data so if you take all our competitors they're pretty much getting the same kind of data stream from variable devices Uh, and we have also seen a lot of false positives associated with um, these notifications so our device because it's measuring more than 10 parameters all at the same time we can actually identify some whether something is false positive and sometimes false negative as well so which is a true value and another thing is with even with apple watch people sometimes assume that like you you are collecting passively the ecg or spo2 or others but you're not i mean basically you have to go into an app actually push that app and and measure uh like your ecg it takes the same time that our device takes to measure an ecg and also from an spo2 perspective you again do the same thing so in our case it's just a once a day or twice a day measurement so you take a measurement and you're measuring it at a time where um, you are, um, your body is is in a in a normal state. So you can identify if it is due to some activity or it's actually uh, due to the changes in health condition. Because that's the challenge a lot of continuous monitoring companies are facing today. We don't know what really happened at that point. So instead. If we see something, we can actually use our device to actually confirm a lot of things. So we can work with a variable company to help provide more data, but our device is simple. It's easy to use. The biggest thing that we are addressing is adherence because if, if your variable device or patch gets done, a lot of people don't put it back again. Charging is a problem. They forget to charge. So here's a device that sits in a charger. There's an amazing battery life. You can take hundreds of measurements with a single charge. And all you have to do is like spend less than a minute every single day. So the true value is also improving the adherence, which I think a lot of people are finding it difficult to achieve. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't mention, you know, uh, that it came, you know, in, in very modern, uh, sleek, consumer-friendly packaging. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the cradle and the base. And, you know, we talk about equity. You know, this thing just needs a power source. It doesn't need to connect to one's home router. You know, it has its own built-in functionality to to connect to the cloud. And you can see it's got little indicators on here to show 
the power um, as well as uh, Bluetooth um, and the fact that it's uh, you know got Wi-Fi capability. So it's all it's all in one package. Um, you know, Gene, get coming back to you for a second. Can you talk about the long-term plan for this in terms of you know the, what's the future of this breath saliva approach? So, I mean, so to, to kind of add to Sathya's differentiation between this device and, uh, you know, other uh, wearables, it really, in, in my mind, uh, this device offers a platform, and that to me is the biggest, um, the, the biggest motivator, the biggest, uh, you know, benefit of this device um, in, in, in because we're collecting um, this information, uh, um, you know, we're collecting all of the information at one time and we are sending it uh, to the cloud. We're able to analyze that information holistically, right? And so from my perspective, the, the way you make analysis on, you know, how a person's doing is by collecting as much information as you possibly can. And so, in my mind, the way we advance this device, it's a very clear path, is we add new sensors, new ways of, uh, of uh, doing biochemical analysis of saliva, of breath, anything else that we can collect from, uh, from the mouth, blood vessels, anything else that we can collect uh, optically or, or, or through uh, biochemical uh, measurements or by physical measurements. And then all of that data, uh, all of those data uh, get, get looked at holistically by basically in, in machine learning or AI engine um, on, on the back end to then compress all of that and just spit out one diagnostic. So, and, and the way machine learning systems work right now is you need as much information as possible. So the more information you pack in there, the the better the better the diagnostic can be. So to me, that's the future. I, I also wanted to quickly add one more thing. Uh, we are not looking into like collecting more information just from one parameter, like continuously for days and months, but collecting a lot of different kind of parameters at the same time. Right in one setting. Yeah. In one setting. So which is far more comprehensive to really connect the dots between different organs and how they are communicating with each other. So ultimately our vision is to like map the human health so that we can show in, in a single number or at a single point you measured it and here is where you are. That's the true uh, potential of the technology. And, um, and we are very excited every day to keep thinking about the new thing that we can add to the device. Of course, we are cognizant about like commercializing what we have and wanted to, although we have great aspirations, we wanted to always uh, be real, uh, realistic, ensure that here is a device. So today, that's why MouthLab version one uh, is out and we can actually commercialize this, commercial, we are commercializing this technology. The next step is Hopefully every year we come up with something that is interesting, either from the sensor perspective or from the algorithm perspective. Okay, here is another software as a medical device 
clearance that we received from the FDA with the same device. So, which is the great thing about it. So we can continue to innovate, continue to be highly competitive in this market. And so that even somebody wants to start working like what we have, it's going to take them years before they can get there. Sure. And you told me offline, uh, Sathya, that you're working on, uh, or you envision uh, Epic and Cerner integration, um, and that you're working with a company called Zelf to, um, which mirrors the platform in, in the EHR so that, uh, it should, you know, ideally would, would be, uh, seamlessly integrated into the physician's workflow. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, the good thing about it is whatever new innovations that we could do with our platform is still going to be mirrored. So we still have that incentive to, in a, like bring new things to our platform because ultimately it's going to be shown on Epic. So physicians don't have to remember another login. <laughs> Right. Yes. Right. That's the name of the game is to uh, make it easy uh, for physicians uh, to, to give them the, the patient's vital signs so that they can make the ultimate uh, clinical uh, and diagnostic decision. All right. Uh, well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. This has been a great opportunity for us to showcase uh, our technology. And it was nice for you to um, use the device and spend some time really understanding this. Hopefully, uh, you'll get one uh, soon as, as an actually user. That, that, would, that would be terrific. And uh, we didn't mention this, but you're envisioning like a subscription fee, you know, basically for this, right? Yeah. So, there's a subscription fee for using the device uh, and platform. And then some of our uh, partnering health systems, they already have uh, clinical research to support it. Uh, or we are ultimately going to add some more clinical research within our team so that we are the first line of defense or we are the first, our team is the first one to reach out to the patient, ensure that they, uh, their health condition or health concerns are addressed. And then we can escalate to the physician only when it's absolutely necessary. So in that way, um, the burden of managing patient is on us and the physicians can actually spend their precious time really focusing on patients who are in need. So that's our, that's our goal. And we are hoping that um, this, this podcast and then this interview is heard by the right people. And then we, we get more um, interest from people because uh, our objective is to touch a billion people with our technology and uh, all these efforts will help us to get there. And uh, thank you for making this a uh, very interesting uh, opportunity for me and Gene to come together because it's, uh, it's a very rare thing. It's been, uh, it, you, you brought back maybe uh, six, seven years ago where we just kept walking around the street, talking to different uh, organizations <laughs> only to get rejected every single time to now. Um, this is the first time we are coming together for an interview. So um, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much, Mark. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, sure. And uh, you know, so health systems, pharma companies uh, are, are really ideal partners uh, for you all. And um, uh, I, I know our audience includes at least some of those. Uh, so I'm hoping this this helps amplify your story, get it out to the right people. Um, and uh, I thank you for you know trusting me with this device. Um, and I will get it back to you in, in short order. But I was I was really impressed with it. I look forward to hearing more more great things uh, for, from you both and from Adar Health. So th thanks again. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. 
That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.